Mark, Almighty One, our sacrifice begins. We commence. Spellberg, a podcast about the Dungeon Crawl Classics role-playing game. It's time to party like it's 1974. The trees have turned, the air is crisp, and the soothing sound of chanting carries on the breeze. And just when we think it's safe to relax, it's an avalanche! It's the dreaded, corrupted mailbag! I'm Judge Jen, and with me on this superficially dark and chill night are Judge Julian... Hello. And Judge Jeff. Hello. As he is apparently drowned by this avalanche of mail. <laughs> so let's hurry and go to the tavern and see what kind of phlogiston disturbances we brought to or brought home from Gamehole Con. Welcome, friends. Good to see you. I only had one drink to calm my nerves. And give her a drink of your most expensive. Tavern talk. Okay. Um, so... This is kind of silly because I know you didn't actually attend Game Hall Con, Jeff, but what did you do in the past couple of weeks? That's correct. I still have yet been to any Game Hall Con. Uh, that's a con I've not yet checked out. I would really like to at some point in the future, but this year was not that year. And yeah, so recently, what have I been, what have, what have I been up to in gaming? I got kicked out of my AD&D group. Wow. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. Wait, wait. Um, I don't I don't know. Do? I'm having do? a tough time. Do I admire them more or do I admire you more for whatever you got kicked out for? I, I, yeah, that. I, I will admit I made it sound much more dramatic than it was. I just I've had to miss so many sessions because of work and school and all of my other obligations mm. right now that the DM was very nice and messaged me saying, Jeff, like, honestly, you're one of the best players I've ever had at my table, but we really need somebody who can commit to attending games more regularly. Um, when your schedule frees up, please be in touch. And I was like, hey, man, I think that's totally fair. I completely understand. You know, I, I'm not in the slightest bit offended by that. Um, but we did get to do it. Oh, we're going to play it up for a podcast. Yeah. Exactly. But I did get one <laughs> session or one session with them before I was kicked out uh, since we've last recorded. And that was fun. I'm going to miss my AD&D group, but I also totally get it. I have missed a lot of sessions recently. Um, so no DCC for you either? No, no. I, very, Sad. very little gaming. Very little. Yeah, yeah. Um, that story sucked. I, on, I mean, I really wanted it to be like, you know, I just did all this coke, and then I went in to play DC to play AD and D, and they were like, "What do you think? It's the eighties?" And you were like, "It's a game from the 80s. Come on, you know, <laughs> you know. I don't know. Nope. I was kicked out yeah, for was for, being too, for missing too many classes, as opposed to mm. gratuitous use of a D twenty four. Exactly. Anything on the horizon? Are you going to end up going to UConn or? No, I'm not. <clears throat> I I mean, I, I'm going to be using this excuse for a while, but I mean, it's really the full-time work, full-time school thing with two podcasts and a boyfriend. Uh, it's it's so much. I, I have very little time, but I, I still want to obviously prioritize gaming. I love gaming. So one of the things that I am planning on doing is now that I'm not a part of this weekly AD&D game, 
I will have a month off between my two semesters. So I am planning on signing up to run games uh, through Meetup in the Cleveland area. And there's also a cool Savage Worlds game that I um, had checked out one or two sessions of on Meetup that's being run by John Dunn. And once my once I've got my month off between the semesters, I'm going to sign up for one or two of those as well. Awesome. Yeah. But my next con won't be until Gary. So when we do have those links to your events, we can like share a link to your meetup group. Sounds the new good. local group. Well, I won't be starting a meetup group. I will just be running games on an existing meetup group. Right. Yeah. Right. Your events though. Yeah. Yes. My events. Um, but yes, I don't care how busy my schedule gets. There is nothing that will prevent me from going to Gary Khan. Gary Khan is Yay. the only one that is just not negotiable. I hear that. Can I just say, can we have a better dinner this time? I liked our dinner last year, but uh, nah, like yeah. the, the, the company was good, but the dinner was... Mm. Yeah, that's... Uh, Anyway, I'm into yeah, it. Enough said. Yeah, I like food. Enough said. Yeah. And beer. And booze. Yeah. And booze. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Cool. Julian, hit us with the game hole review. Okay. So I've got a kind of, this is kind of the epic tavern talk, guys. Um, first of all, uh, kudos to my buddy Mark Woodhouse, who ran a terrific. Uh, Crips and Things uh, campaign where we attacked the Barrow Maze and that ran about 26 sessions here over the last two and a half years. Uh, wow. It was super fun. Uh, Mark is an excellent GM, like maybe one of my favorite GMs in the world and well, I probably I shouldn't say maybe because he's like one of my favorite GMs in the world. So why why have maybe? Anyway, he's one of my favorite GMs. He's about the nicest guy you'll ever meet. Super smart, great GM, super great old school GM. I mean, he's got that down. And Crips and Things in his hands was is totally an unsung hero of. Uh, you know, old school or OSR systems or whatever. You want to talk about sorcery, sword and sorcery with lizard men, you know, uh, serpent men, I should say, and all the, you know, uh, sword and sorcery type magic and no elves and bullshit like that. And Crips and Things is really a uh, an unsung hero of that um, OSR landscape. I think it doesn't get the cred it deserves. And if I wasn't you know, so hell bent on playtesting other stuff and which I, you know, genuinely enjoy and all that stuff. But I mean, Crips and things would be a wonderful thing to, to run stuff with. So that's um, not DCC move on. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, but Barrow, that was just a terrific game. Um, what about and, game hole? Yeah. Game hole. Stick to the so, script. <laughs> okay. Stick to the script. I ran uh, four games of game hole. Dong, dong, um, dong, 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 dong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> is this a swearing episode okay so uh yeah we ran some games at game hall we had real a lot of fun i met a woman at the bar at the coliseum bar right it's one of those stories okay. and, yes and she's like she's like uh hey what are you in town for and i'm like uh and she's like are you here for the con i'm like um yeah she's like oh yeah me too and then I invited her to come over and see the booth and like check out a game. And she ended up in playing in the last half of the MCC game 
that I ran um, with Scott Swift and Gabe Meister and some other friends. Uh, Tom Colley was there. So that was epic. But, okay, I ran four games at Game Hall, play tested my new thing, and ran Expedition to Bacon Loft. I wore a hamburger hat that Reed Sanfilippo sent me. So that was, oh, man, I missed that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, there are pictures. But the most, okay, the most epic game was Forrest Aguirre's the uh, bunnies and burrows DCC mashup on Wednesday night with Doug, Tom Colley and Mike. And of course the posse. And all I will say is as a bunch of mutant rabbits, I think we ended up driving the high on fire tour bus into a human high school in Racine, Wisconsin. And into the science project fusion reactor in order to try to make a mushroom cloud over the upper Midwest. So that was probably more that epic than, yeah. than a casual bunnies and bros game generally. Gets. Yeah. I was going to say that, that, that doesn't quite sound very Dennis Astaire to me. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> or very uh, Richard Adams or whatever, but you know, <laughs> we, that's how we roll. Okay. So I came prepared with two mini reviews, but yeah, you only get one. Oh. <laughs> Jen's cracking. Pontificated too much about Baromaze, man. Oh, I mean, your man. friend is cool, and and I love both authors of the reviews you're doing. But okay, instant poll. Well, and the good instant news pull. is, Julian, you're in charge of the next episode, so you can do nothing but reviews the next episode of Mike. Oh, hell. Yeah. <laughs> I got to brush up. Okay, then who do I do, Stevie or Newton? That's your call. Uh, which one did you pick up at Game Hall? Uh, the new uh, the new horror one. There you go. Okay, well, then I'm going to do Stevie on the next episode because it's all bulleted out here and it would be easy to do. So, Dan, <laughs> sorry, but it's all right here and it's ready to go. So, next episode. So... In the meantime, Creep Scrag Creep uh, is Love the title. Yo, it's super funny, super fun, and that's a, a merit uh, kind of based mm-hmm. on a, a merit uh, title, right? Yes. And um, I haven't read that. I've read a few of his things, but not that one. So it's really fun. You guys, yeah, mm-hmm. you guys can comment on that. But um, it is a nonlinear. I would say mostly funnel adventure uh the pcs are trapped on a boat there's an evil critter on the boat trying to kill them and that's pretty fun right there right you've got a lot of possibilities you got a boat to explore you're piecing together the adventure there's some investigation and all that good stuff and then there's a lurking horror in the shadows and this is part of the dcc horror line and all that good stuff and and stephen newton the author is good at writing that stuff uh he lists his inspirations in the adventure. That's all great stuff. John Carpenter and, and uh, Alien and all that good stuff. However, um, I think what really made this super cool for me was that there's so much flavor in this adventure. I mean, if I just said everything that I just said, it's already pretty cool adventure. But in addition to that, somehow he's squeezed in here rules for nautical tattoos that give you certain bonuses and rumors and superstitions, the superstitions being possibly true and influencing the adventure like mechanically and the outcome and stuff. Hmm. Um, There are 
pirate. There are not just pirates, but there are weird, slightly Egyptian flavored pirates. And there's just, it's a pirate. It's, it's a nautical horror adventure, like turned up to 12. And I really, really dug it. I, I think, uh, I think it would be really fun because you would play it several different, you'd said, played multiple times and it would be different every time I, I can see it really going totally off the rails a couple times and also ending in TPKs, which Steven did advise that if you play it as written, it will often be a TPK, but he also gave some optional rules for lightening that load and making it a little less lethal. So um, if you'd like a nautical funnel, it's a little railroady and how it starts and all that. But um, I think I, I highly recommend it. I think it's full of crazy weirdness and TPKs, which, uh, you know, gets my two thumbs up. <laughs> All right. And when you were describing it, I was for, I was picturing that that mini that mini segment from Treehouse of Terror, Treehouse of Horror. What is it? What are the Simpsons Halloween specials called? Yeah, that Treehouse tree of, yeah, tree right? of Horror. The one where Bart's riding the school bus and there's like a little monster on the side of the bus. <laughs> I was picturing that when you were first describing. But that it. would be like that's the Twilight Zone episode. I, right? I think it's I think it's playing it. Yeah, uh, it, it's okay to to merge your horror things, right? Sending that up. No, um, no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. No, I I think it's pretty interesting that they've. Uh, gone with the DCC horror line because that allows things like year-round sales of these modules. So I know a lot of stores don't like to carry things that are labeled Halloween this year because then the longer they sit on the shelf, the more they're just a seasonal thing and, and potentially stale. So I love the idea of the horror line, which also gives us the opportunity to get hopefully more of these throughout the year rather than just one. I agree. And I, I also think we should branch out and have DCC romance. Oh. There, there, there are rules in the Dan Bishop adventure, right? The dread God. Uh, gosh, I, I'm not saying I'm against it. I'm saying that maybe that's better for a third party thing. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. <laughs> All right, Jen, we've been gabbing quite a bit. What's going on with you in your corner of the tavern? Yeah, like half the show's going to be freaking tavern talk, Julian. Uh <laughs> So here's here's how I felt about Bronx Beasts. <laughs> so I didn't – we had actually made plans to go to Game Hole uh, just to play, not to run anything, like we did like three or four years ago. And then, okay, we're not going, and everything was just kind of up in the air. And Brendan and Brett Brooks extended the invitation to hop in and – work the booth for part of the time, which then meant that my going and, and flying solo for it, which was a total first for a gaming convention, um, it it made things a lot more comfortable. It put me at ease, I, if that makes any sense. Um, I, I know that some of our listeners will understand this, that going to a city you don't really know and staying in a room completely by yourself is a little less than comfortable in in some zones uh, so being able to bunk with them and working the booth which you guys know is my happy spot um i actually only scored one dcc game for the entire con anyway 
So I dragged my butt up at a little after eight on Saturday to play in Chris Sank's game, which was well worth it. Uh, Played in my first Hyperborea game, which incidentally was set in Ravenloft. That was weird all the way around. It was fun, but it was weird. And I got two Mothership games in, which Hmm. to me was kind of like when I used to sit at the feet of the Masters running DCC so that I could learn how to run a better DCC game. So I got a lot of tips from Chad and some handout help and everything. So hopefully I can bring that to our table as well. And uh, I do apologize if my voice sounds a little bit off, I am dealing with the vestiges of Concred, which is like the best convention gift ever, right? <laughs> yeah. Damn. Uh, um, but I, I just wasn't wanna... running games, so I wasn't on. I I wasn't in my performance mode. I wasn't taking care of myself, and I was really distracted about some stuff at home. So, in in my last two cons i stayed with 10 guys in a total of two rooms so i do want to say that the idea of having a room to yourself in a strange city at a con sounds really really good and and trevor if you're hearing this yes i'm talking about you i mean Just so we're clear no yeah, not we, trevor alone but when anyway. i'm not a hundred percent sure of you know where I'm even going in a, in a place like that it's kind of nice to have somebody to be accountable to even if I roll in two hours after they hit the bed they at least know that you know I got in so you know it's helpful for safety reasons and whatnot <laughs> oh I hear you I hear you I'm just uh, we can dream I know right <laughs> <laughs> All right, with that, um, let's go to summon email. I call upon the flame to summon you. Who delivered a message for me? I came here to give you these facts. Summon email. I know we have a bit of a beast here, so nothing like some fall cleaning. Get through some more of these emails and make room for more feedback from our listeners. So, Julian. You can kick us off. Right. After my um, ill-considered somewhat blue joke in our last podcast, episode 85, uh, John Williams, who shares a name with a great composer, obviously, uh, wrote in to say, indeed, all the emails from John were indeed the same John, being John Williams. It's all, and, and I quote, it's all one John, baby. He he. <laughs> so thank you, John, for clarifying that. Uh, we appreciate it. It was also good to hear from you. And uh, even better, it was great to get all your emails. So thank you. Uh, thanks for the, all the input. And uh, I think we are, you know, I don't know how we're getting on our emails. Oh, we're doing pretty good. Well, we could probably still use some more. I think at the end of this episode, we're going to need some more. So I'll just plug it right now in case you don't listen to the whole thing. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Okay. Ooh, it, yeah, it's definitely a night. Oh yeah. <laughs> what's what's my name on the what's my name on the squadcast? Yeah, something generic because you didn't bother typing anything. No, in. no, no. He 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 changed it. It's dirt. Mm-hmm. It's foul mouth now. <sighs> we can't leave him anywhere. He's Julian McPottymouth. 
Mm-hmm. All right. So Troy Wrongtown Hall writes in uh, Antipodian salutations to the judges, Jay. I've almost caught up on your backlog and took note of your invitation for comments on the use of a timer. So I thought I'd weigh in. I do think it shows a good amount of foresight that you have implemented such a limit to avoid superfluous pontification. That said, <clears throat> <too late>. <laughs> <laughs> that said, sometimes it's not easy to properly address an issue in such a short amount of time. I suggest a compromise that I've seen used in good effects in meetings at my day job. Ugh, meetings at a day job. Ah. Mm. As in all things, take the parts you feel are valuable and disregard the rest. All right, so let's take a look at what his suggestions are. Number one, set a silent, all caps, silent timer for the amount of time (laughs) that you'd generally expect to devote to an item, like five minutes, and designate someone to watch that, take turns or not, up to you. Two, each make initial comments as concisely as you can. This is pretty much what you're already doing, of course, but sharing the time. I'd suggest starting with the timekeeper if that's always one person. Three, when the timer goes off, the timekeeper silently gestures that it has elapsed and seeks a thumbs up, thumbs down from the group. Majority thumbs up means there's still value in further discussion. Majority thumbs down means you're happy to move on. Number four, timekeeper sets a shorter time, two to three minutes for the next check-in and repeats steps three and four until the topic has been addressed or the heat death of the universe overtakes us all. In my experience, it's always the former so far. Hope you find that helpful. May the Dark Master consume you first. All right. So with that, um, thank you, Troy. I will be honest. You know, I'm not one for crunch. And I feel like there's a lot of crunch in that. <laughs> I I do really appreciate uh, your your thoughtfulness, though. Um, but that's that's a little bit too much for for me to process at this moment. Well, and, and this mail comes to us from Perth, Western Australia. Wow. Um, so I guess that's how they do things down there, where the toilets flush the wrong way. Um, and they put and they put their they put their condom like their onions and tomatoes on the bottom of the burger down there. Really odd. Yeah, it's Australia. Yeah, it's everything's upside down there, and they eat Vegemite, which I love. <laughs> I love Vegemite. If anybody in Australia would like to send me Vegemite, feel free. Well, now that I know all of this, I'm now thinking we need to implement his system. Uh, no. <laughs> I just turn things on their head. I don't know. It's, I, it sounds like putting tomatoes under your burger is a good idea. So maybe this is also a good idea, and I'm just not seeing it. It, it, would, well, it wasn't even, even though we could see tomatoes. each other. It's not like we pay attention. So that's true. <laughs> they also have beets on their burgers. They put uh, like pickled beets. Hmm. Okay, no, that's entirely that was entirely okay. Uh, but I'm with you, too fussy. Um, however. Heat death of the universe for the win. Automatic mm-hmm. overrules all my negatives um, right there. And I think heat death, heat death of the universe definitely qualifies us for ending our discussion um, at uh, – where am I going with this? Never mind. Ignore me. <laughs> the words were in my head. I, I kind of had an idea how I wanted them to form, but they did not come out of my my face the way that they were – lining up in my brain 
that's, you're having that's one pretty, of my days. <laughs> that's pretty much the story of my podcasting career. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, our next one is. Uh, pretty short, sweet, and simple, but on the same line comes to us from Tim White and is also timely and pertains to this episode. He says, I love the timer and the fast round table. I do prefer the new timer alarm sound to the old one, though. Ooh, church bells it is. So, yeah, because not everybody has church bells going for their phone when it rings. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. All right, Julian, you get the next one. Julian, you're on oh, mute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just telling Gary, I was just texting oh, Gary and man. saying, this may be the drunkest podcast ever. Um, Get the hell off your phone. Well, you're fired. <laughs> I know, but you know, it's the drunkest podcast ever. This is an excellent email from Dan uh, Nugabauer. Uh, in our in Germany, and some of you will remember his excellent questions. And I think we even had him on, if I recall correctly, he was also sent some really cool stuff in our house rules episode. Does that sound right? Um, at any rate, uh, great question because I love this stuff. So, hello, Spellburners. It's been two years since my last email, but I'm still listening to your amazing podcast and Sanctum Secorum and the Appendix N Book Club. I've got a question for you about the Appendix N. There are only books on the list, but I'm sure there are some great comic books which capture the feeling too. I think Judge Jim had a list of comics in his Appendix M for Mutant Crawl Classics, but which comics would you recommend for DCC? Greetings from Germany, Daniel Nugabauer, Judge Daniel, I think. Um, By the way, I'm sorry, I got to go off on a tangent. I got to play in Judge... (laughs) Yes, I got to play in Judge Jim's Mega Heroes game, super, new superhero game that he's playtesting. Judge Jim Wamper, obviously Spellburn mm-hmm. alum, founding member of Spellburn, and um, and MCC author, designer, blah blah blah. Anyway, I got to play in his Mega Heroes game. It was super fun, uh, light, elegant. I uh, thought it played really well. Um, I got to play a Hawkeye guy. That's always my favorite thing. Anyway had a blast and judge Jim is doing great. And it was really fun to hang out with him for two games. So anyway, there's that mega heroes coming soon, et cetera. Um, okay. Uh, do you guys want to talk about this or am I just, am I just the comic nerd here or do you guys want to take <laughs> well, a shot? I'm, I remember when Jim was on the show before mutant crawl classics came out. Um, Kirby is a huge, huge influencer for him. Well, yeah. Um, both storyline and artistically speaking. Appendix N comics, the only thing coming to mind uh, is the old Conan comics. Yeah, the the um, Barry Windsor Smith Conan in the you know the first part of the Marvel Comics run and then the uh, the very long Roy Thomas and Bus- John Buscema Conan uh, is pretty epic and those Savage Sword of Conan comics that were done that's the one i'm thinking of yeah i mean they're with all a lot of european artists spanish guys maybe some dudes from philippines if i recall correctly maybe ernie chan was in there somewhere uh unbelievable cool uh, black and white art for some of that that's the obvious stuff i mean and it's great (laughs) are you ding-donging me come on now my addition to this is i would say the old Gary Gygax does specifically state that comic books were an inspiration. 
Um, the only ones he specifically references, though, are EC Comics. And EC, they did Tales from the Crypt and Weird Fantasy, things like that. Um, I've not read those. I'm not really a comic book guy, but I would be intrigued to go and check those out. Um, also, I know that obviously, yeah. in addition to Conan, there's the Elric comics, there's the Fafford and Grey Mouser comics. And I also know that Fafford and Grey Mouser in the comic books met Wonder Woman. Okay. So that could make Wonder wow. Woman part of uh, the canon of the DCC Lankmar. So we should go ahead and figure out how to <laughs> incorporate Wonder Woman <laughs> into your DCC Lankmar game. Well, it's not uh, hard because there's plenty of room for Amazons and arrows and bracelets and magic glasses. And I mean, she could be right out of a D and D DCC type game. It's actually pretty easy. <laughs> um, that Wonder Woman and Fafford and Mouser stories by Samuel Delaney, one of the great all time science fiction writers, a giant in the field, but not very appendix N, although he wrote in their seventies, but still writing, I guess still alive. I think anyway, sorry. <laughs> wow. Yes. And, and the nerd gloves come off. Oh, uh, believe me. I mean, how long do you have? <laughs> All right. Um, so we've got yeah. Next, <laughs> we've got another email from John. Is it the same John? Is this a different John? Are these all the same Johns? I don't know. Oh, it's probably the same John. It's probably Back the same John. Yeah. Well, I guess it's it's, it's really? not how we enter it. We just write John in here. So who knows? I'm going to assume it's the same John since we've already gone through this through this before. So do you really want this again? I don't know. <laughs> so John is asking us: Is an all thief party overpowered? Seems like they'd be able to set up some very deadly ambushes with ranged weapons, using backstab on ranged attacks for critical hits and perhaps a first round or two. Burning luck to add their luck die to damage if they need extra damage. I suppose a cleric with bless could make things even more powerful. Oh yeah, about clerics and bless. Do you treat bless as three separate spells? Thus the cleric would have to ca have it. Thus the cleric would need to have it multiple times for the different possible effects. Or would you say it's just one spell that can have multiple effects? All right. So I'll go ahead and... Nope. Two questions in one email. Back to the lab. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> so starting with the bless spell, I treat the bless spell as one spell that has three different ways that you can cast it. Uh, so if... It, but, but as a cleric, it kind of doesn't really matter. It's not... You don't really lose spells unless you lose them from a specific disapproval result. So I, there aren't very many circumstances where you need to worry about whether a cleric spell is one spell or three different spells mechanically. Um, but if, if it would come up, yeah, I was I treated as I one. I don't think it's really going to stack either. The, the results for it. I guess that would be a separate question, maybe? Yeah, I would not see them stacking either, because then you could just have a group of 50 clerics cast and bless on everybody and you'd be you'd have an immortal part you'd have an immortal army. Um I, I I also don't think that they would stack. Um but yeah, that's I ran out of time answering that question. So maybe one of you sorry. can take the thief question. <laughs> uh i th i ran so i didn't run i played in harley's uh the heist game at gen con oh yeah did you guys either of you uh, play in that i did super fun Jen and i both yeah. i ran it at gary con i played it with trevor uh but that was a game where there was a party of thieves with like supporting characters of other classes i think or mostly thieves or something i think they were, I think they were all thieves right 
Yeah. I had a warrior oh, as support, okay. but that's okay. it. Yeah, but you could have a you might have a wizard or warrior support or something like that. It had a kind of a Linkmar flavor, but it was pre-Linkmar mm-hmm. officially. Anyway, um, I don't remember that game feeling that it was too overpowered or anything like that. And um, regarding bless and thieves and luck and anything else in DCC, you know. Um, I put in the Gesh of the Starcons adventure, I just put in the Starcon at the end to TPK parties. So if you feel like people are too overpowered in your adventure, just drop in a Starcon or two at the end or five or depending on the level and just mess them up. Just you have my permission to just drop a bomb on them and uh, and then it won't seem very overpowered. Um. I'm going to hold off on answering about the deadly ambushes with ranged weapons and all that, because I think that's going to blend into the next mail. Um, Okie doke. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I mean, anybody can spend luck to ramp up their damage. So if that's the case, yeah, increase the hit dies of the critters they're fighting. If it's not a challenge... If you're doing XP, you know, rules is written. They're not going to get XP for it either. Um, did we did we read that one yet? We're getting there. Okay. Yep. Uh, the next one, also from John Williams. <laughs> See how that dovetails. <laughs> oh. uh, related to the all-thief question and ambushes with ranged combat. I was reading uh, ahead, sorry. Okay, well, I'm like, what? Oh, okay. Yeah. Are you if thinking that players... I've read everything in advance and done all my homework or what? That's my job this week. Okay. If your players work out and set up an ambush with ranged weapons, do you let them get as much advantage of the range? I've been in situations where it seems like you might get one to two shots off before they have your enemies reaching melee with you, no matter how much you've tried to set it up where you try and start around the max range and expect to get three to four rounds of shots off. Already this is crunchy, John. Uh, He continues, DCC seems deadly enough towards players in its design, and not every encounter needs to be balanced attitude, which is fine, but then there are judges who run games where it seems like they don't let players get advantage of their planning to turn things in their favor, so it becomes really tough when the judge also wants things to be against you. Ranged combat isn't very advantageous in a dungeon, but above ground it could really change things around for or against the favor of the party, based on who makes a good use of it. Um... Yeah, 40 arrows costing as much as a longsword, a longsword costing four times as much as a longsword. Seems like the balance of cost of these items means a longbow could effectively be more deadly than a, than the other in a right situation. Getting to shoot multiple times at your foe, you know, first as they're wondering what they're, what's happening as they're being fired at. Yeah, looking through all of the crunch that's included in this email which is going to confuse me if I try to make the words come off of my tongue. Um, I think Julian got us drunk. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm also feeling a little um, drunk now, and Julian's the only one here who's lost. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I would at least balance this with arrows breaking 100% of the time when they're fired to make players really pay for the advantage this gives. As a player, I don't feel like I've ever had many situations where I want to take advantage of range where my judge allowed it to play out without us being in combat two to three rounds later, despite the backpedaling movement, whatever time we try to extend. As a judge, I haven't run enough games yet, so I haven't had players 
try using ranged weapons to their advantage yet, but I feel like I would at least keep track of the gribbly details of movement speed and range to give them every due turn they deserve, or decide to have the NPCs run away if they feel like it's hopeless, if they have some intelligence. Okay, and that is the end of the email. Um, John, I must tell you, I think you are overthinking this. You're coming at this from a, a math and physics and engineering perspective, and when other players at our table get like that, because we actually have a county engineer as one of our players, and he's very good at the nuances and the minutia of everything. Um, let it go, man. Make it cinematic. Make it fun. Don't make it crunchy to the point of everybody dredging through it. And to bounce right up back to the line of the judge wanting things to be against you, um... That's kind of our job. We're here to provide entertainment and a challenge. At least that's my take on it. And I'll stop before your church bells cut me off. Okay. Um, I will add to what Jen is saying and say that I mostly agree with what she's saying. I don't necessarily agree that it's our job to be against the players, but I do think it's our job. But I do agree with Jen that it's our job to help facilitate the fiction. And if when when you're telling me as players this ambush that you have set up, if the per, if if the thinking behind the ambush is how can I take get the most advantage from the mechanics of the game as written, that's not something that's really going to resonate with me as the judge. But if you're telling me how in the story and in the fiction you are using uh, the circumstances around you to your benefit so that you can, you know, maybe potentially get them stuck in a place where they're just going to be volleyed by arrows and won't be able to get at you before being taken down by arrows, then hell yeah, that's awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm way into that. So I, I, I agree. It's keep the focus on the story and not on the min maxing and the, the, the gamest strategy. <laughs> Julian. Well, I would say, um, I don't know. It's There's some interesting points in this, but I would say let the cards fall, dice, let the dice roll where they will. If, if, the, if you set up a great ambush, and but you only have 30 feet to shoot at the monsters and you find out they all have a move of 40 feet, um, you know, then that's not going to be as epic as you thought. But that's part of... Uh, playing some D and D or DCC or whatever, and that's great. I mean, I I don't know. I I think uh, I think part of it, it actually doesn't happen nearly as much as it could. But I have been in those situations in campaigns past, usually in a long term campaign where they really put together some fairly elaborate plans, and then uh, you know the tricky part as a GM is trying to root for your NPCs and monsters a little bit while not just letting it be a, you know, not just using your GM info to destroy your PCs, right? So um, you have to be fair, but you have to let the uh, the monsters come out as you wrote them and use their advantages and uh, take it to the PCs too. Nicely put. Yeah. Julian, this one's got your name on it. Okay. Uh, all right, let's see what we got. Judge Stefan. Hi, judges. I think all modules are run best when altered to be more uniquely suited for whatever party is playing. Sometimes this is just changing the setup. Sometimes this is Doug Kovacs' reverse sailors game. Asterisk. 
<laughs> what are the best reskins, altering, or flat-out rewriting of an adventure that you've done yourself or experienced as a player? Thanks. Judge really? Stefan. Stefan, looking forward to seeing y'all's take on the upcoming Cthulhu alphabet and all the soon-to-be-published Lankmar material. Well... You've seen a lot of Lankmar episodes, but not on the adventures. So uh, maybe we have an adventures episode, Judge Jen. Okay. Anyway, (laughs) uh, Judge Jeff, do you want to grab that? Sure. So I've not done a lot of reskinning in the sense where I run an adventure and then just like change the genre of it. But I've done a lot of I'll just take this map. Or I'll take the the stat blocks from this adventure. Um, I'll run. Um, I'll I'll use Teagle Manor and Sailors on the Starless Sea and some other um, like Lamentations product, and then just kind of mush them into one big thing. <laughs> and and that that stuff I think is a lot of fun. I think it's it's also a great way of not having to worry about if people have played an adventure before. Um, because they'll recognize mm-hmm. similar things in what you're doing. Um, but if you're changing what it looks like and you're putting in different things in different areas, um, it's it's not going to be the same experience. Um, I don't know if that's really what you're looking for, but that's my experience with it. So, cool. Um, so I got to hop into one of the first iterations of the Reverse Sailors game at Gen Con 2013. Wow, that feels like age ago. Uh, And it blew my mind. It was absolutely fantastic. And I am so, 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 so happy that it is included in the additional material in the new release, uh, the hardcover release of Sailors. Um, But I think we might have to explain for some listeners what that is. Sailors on the Starless Sea? Um, I mean, the, the reverse version. So at the end of Sailors, presumably, Ziggurat Falls... Uh, chaos beastmen die in reverse sailors you are the beastmen and you are crawling up from the wreckage that's all i'm saying about it um as for other reskins um scott mathis uh the mind behind transylvanian adventures ran tower out of time and reskinned it and that was a lot of fun too um, yeah, I, I could see doing a lot of reskins. I was just thinking today about running my outlive, outsmart, outkill adventure for Bronx Beasts because I was all set to come in here and do a review of Bronx Beasts for episode yeah, well. 86. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> so uh, anyway, I was thinking you could do that for um. Uh, Bronx Beast, and I also thought you could possibly do that for MCC or America. Actually, maybe America would be perfect for. Um, anyway, you could do yeah. you could do a lot of you know those. I think not just to pick on my own stuff. You could those modernish type things could probably all translate to MCC or America or Bronx Beast or Nowhere City or whatever Ghost Like Crime, and um, I think those things can probably all float around kind of between each other um i'm trying to think you know i took the i took the standalones and ran them kind of dropped them into my regular dcc campaign uh and they dropped in great uh but that wasn't a lot of reskinning it was more just kind of smoothing the beginning and the ending into blending them yeah, yeah you know just 
just uh, putting an on ramp and off ramp mm-hmm. there for my regular campaign. It was quite easy, and they made perfect sense. the The one thing we didn't totally take that far, but um, we developed a little bit the subplot of the two toad cults that are at war in the croaking fane. Mm. Um, and the PCs sort of temporarily got pulled into their weird little culty faction war, um, which is more of an extrapolation than a reskin. But anyway. Okay. Well, great email. Thank you, uh, Judge Stefan or Stefan. All right. And here is one from Vasily. Vasily, you are awesome. It's good to hear from you. So he says, hey, Spellburners, the DCC core rulebook is unlikely to be reiterated upon. My understanding is Joseph Goodman has stated there are no plans in creating a second or advanced edition of DCC, leaving rules, modifications or additions mostly in the hands of players. In official publications such as Lankbar, we've seen new optional rules like Fleeting Luck and in third-party supplements and in the Gong Farmer's Almanac. We've seen the DCC community come up with all kinds of interesting rule suggestions, which players are free to add to their games. But hypothetically, if there were a second edition of DCC, what current rules would you like to see changed? Are there any rules you'd like to see added or completely removed? Are there popular house rules that you should that you feel should become canon? Would love to get your thoughts. Regards, Vasily. So this is an awesome question. Uh, yeah, I would make fleeting luck canon. I would make uh, shields will be splintered canon. Uh, the idea yes. that if you if you you can sacrifice your shield and have it just be t- or your helm. or your helm to be and let it be totally ruined mm-hmm. to avoid the damage for one hit or one critical hit. Um, I would also get rid of the you can sp- you can spend a point of luck to avoid corruption. Nope, that that is not a possibility. Um, and there was one other one I wanted to say that I'm I'm not thinking right now. Um, and it's not getting so it's, it's not getting rid of the clerk. Um, is it burn a burn a point to recover a spell? No, no, I'm fine with that. Um, what about warriors burning a point to avoid a, fim- a fumble? Oh, I'm going to remember when one of you are talking, and I'll just interrupt you because that's mm. how, I, okay. how I roll. Okay, cool. So who's next? I'll, I'll jump in because, actually, I had just asked Julian about this when we were talking to that very lovely man from Bulgaria uh, regarding, like, second editions and things like that. Uh, and Julian just pointed to the annual because that is as close to a supplement for the rules it, coming from official sources as we're going to get. But you can also check the previous year's Goodman Games Gen Con program guides, because there's additional things in there that can be used that don't count as third party. Uh, there's a number of tables and whatnot that can be used in there. As far as changing rules, I actually think... I, this is going to sound weird, but I like the Mercurial Magic, and I'm not a huge fan of the fact that there's a 20-point gap in that table. Ooh, yes. <laughs> so I fill that in. Yes, 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 mm-hmm. yes, yes. I love that. I remembered what I forgot. Yeah, it's definitely fleeting luck, though. Yes. And the thing that I forgot to mention that I was going to is Elves and Iron. Now, I think the way the elf, elven iron uh, sensitivity is written in DCC is really dumb. They take one point of damage 
per day, but you also heal one point of damage per day. So it's like really like it means literally nothing. So if I were to redo DCC or create a second edition, I don't know specifically what I would do, but I would want to do something to make Elven Iron sensitivity actually meaningful and impactful. Um, Daniel Bishop did something in um, Silent Nightfall that amps up that reaction. Great. So I would take from that. Because yeah. I'd say either get rid of it or create something that actually has impact because the way it's written, it basically mm-hmm. does nothing. Did you, did you guys see the the commentary we got from Judge Daniel Joseph on the website about our, our monster episode? No. Um, oh. It, uh, it it let's read it at the end of the emails because he there's so much there's so much correcting and why did you forgetting that um, we, we should really go oh wow yes. yeah we need to tack that into the the mailbag yeah we'll um, just get it in at the end so what about you julian um any rules just, you'd like to see changed i just got the best most dcc text ever from gary they won't let me sell the earth to aliens so um, i think I think that kind of works, but sorry. Okay. Um, so special uh, guest tonight. Special <laughs> guest. So I will say that um, I personally prefer my own house rule, which is to spell burn and cut yourself in an extremely precise way and burn exactly only the amount of points you want to burn should take at least a round before you cast your spell. I would not let you do that and cast on the same round. So that's oh, okay. Uh, so it's been, the Troy Tucker method. Yeah, I've been uh, doing that in my City of the Dam campaign, and I quite like it. I also um, would go with Judge Jeff's uh, thing with his thing where you can cast spells of any level. You just have to suck it up when it's in a you know to need a sixteen to you know get there, but you're only a first level guy and all that jazz. Um, oh. I. As my guy pointed out to me in my home table, I'm a cleric. I don't, it sucks if the wizard can cast cleric spells. So you have to jimmy that around a little bit, depending on if you're allowing clerics or not allowing clerics, if you're in Lankmar and not in Lankmar. But the general idea of having all the spells out there findable and castable is is very appendix in, in my mind. Mm-hmm. And I would totally go with that approach. Um, I would either do last thing I'm going to say one of two things. I'm getting rid of friggin' dwarves, elves, and hobbits. Done, gone. <laughs> or, or I'm adding serpent men, ducks, and um, I don't know. Uh, what do you guys think? Bunnies. Aliens, gray aliens. Yeah, yeah. alien bunny. There we go. Yeah, because I, I mean, so to my mind, it's not the Tolkien role playing game, and I get the D and D heritage, but I don't care. Yeah, we need swan maze and mayhars. How about tieflings and dragonborn? Boo! Boo. Oh, okay. Yeah. Boo. Okay. I hey, went there. So we've got more mail. <laughs> You're sounding like a real Asimar right now, Julian. <laughs> <laughs> Some of these, I love. I love the five E kids. They are awesome. I love what it's doing for our hobby. I really do. It's it's excellent stuff. Well, there, there's no wrong fun, but you but know. Sometimes they need a little kick in the ASMR. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so DM Kojo will save us. Hey gang, great episode on vampires, werewolves, and zombies. 
I really enjoyed your takes on the creatures as well as your dive into the lore and their uses in earlier RPGs. I couldn't agree more with your sentiments that it would be great to have random tables to generate strange DCC-ish versions of these monsters. Alas, this is not really in my wheelhouse, so I will continue to hope that somebody does this for a future Gong Farmer's Almanac or other supplements. Or according to Daniel Bishop, many, uh, many former ones. Right? is perfect as zombies are a staple of an adventure i wrote called crimson ooze contagion Ooh, that sounds yeah, that's cool. a great name. which i'm running at yukon in november and GaryCon in march it is a zero level funnel and without giving away too much involves zombie versions of humans including pcs that can become zombies and animals these zombies are kind of a cross between traditional zombies and mutants, so it is a bit of a different take on it. I used the amazing monster alphabet to help flesh out the traits of the various zombie antagonists throughout the adventure, and that makes them all unique and interesting. Thanks for a great show. Actually, this might be, um, I don't know if you guys have much to say, so this actually might be a good time for us to respond with Daniel's comments, because maybe these can be the answer to DM Kojo's question. There we go. Okay. All right. Have well, I have it pulled I up. Sure do. Okay, perfect. There you go. So, uh, do you want to, Jeff? Do you want to do well, it? Well, there's two of them. So, how about Julian? You take the first one, and I'll take the second one. Okay, I'm going to actually. First of all, I will mention that um, a guy named Eric also listened and referred us to the Monster Man podcast, which has a special episode on other vampires around folklore vampires and dot dot dot. So, I'll link that in the show notes or go see it on the site. Cool. Um, Next, Judge Daniel J. Bishop says, (laughs) just so your listeners are aware, the Gong Farmer's Almanac 2017 Volume 7 contains both the vampire returned by the both the vampire returned by Tara Frank and 13 Brides of Blood by myself, which is a vampire funnel. So, okay, I got asked on the GFA pretty big and. In the Gong Farmer's Almanac Volume 1 from way back in 2015, Tara Frank's Golden Glory from Beyond the Grave contains a vampire class, which is cool. So we may have to do a sequel at some point. I would like to express my my sadness at forgetting this slash omitting this. And that that's really awesome. And Tara was a really great staple in this community, and I miss her. Yeah, and and she, but Dungeon Lord, the zine that she put out for a long time, is out there, and you can still get it. It's at least three or four of those are still available, so it's good stuff. And then last, uh, Mr. Bishop says, Snow White in creeping Snow White in Creeping Beauties of the Wood is, although not explicitly stated, spoiler alert, <laughs> a vampire, a vampire. Vampire. Um, and this is also making me remember my how I would really love to run DCC with just classes from the Gong Farmer's Almanac. I think that would be really fun. Yeah. Get some vampires in there. So um, Mr. Bishop follows up. Um, so the first one was from 6.28 a.m. At 6.36 a.m., <laughs> uh, <laughs> eight minutes later, he's like, oh, wait, I forgot a few things. So, <laughs> so Daniel J. Bishop says, oh, and both L is for lycanthrope and V is for a vampire appear in the monster alphabet, which is also a great resource for DCC judges. Oh, and Julian, the very first Conan story was the phoenix on the sword, where only because the sword is enchanted with a magical sign, he is able to slay a demon. So Conan really did have his oh shit 
I don't have my plus two sword moment in his very first story. <laughs> you, Asimar. Lasai. Okay, okay. okay, maybe he didn't call you an Asimar, but. <laughs> so to which I responded, yeah, Judge Daniel's encyclopedic knowledge and memory for the win. Did Conan's sword actually have pluses, though? And he said... Although it's not explicit in the story, I believe that the phoenix marked on the sword indicated that it was a plus three. <laughs> All right. So hopefully DM Kojo, right, that boy. answered your question. <laughs> Thank you for the mail, Kojo. Um, looks like we've got time for one more on this show. Julian, you want to finish this one up? Oh, yeah. So this is from Corey Welch. Uh, Judge Corey ran Carnival of the Damned uh, at Game Hall. And I got to sit in there briefly. And uh, that was a, a ton of fun. My buddy Trevor played and a uh, few others. Uh, well, more than a few others. So uh, well, Corey read the email and then I'm going to ask you what happened. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Corey says, hi, I still have to complete the wrap up of crawl for the cure, but I wanted to thank you for all your help with promoting the event. It was way cool to play with Julian in the carnival. Thanks so much for everything. And we'll see if we can get some more cash for the next time. We were able to raise a respectable $449 this time around. Nice. Thank you. Uh, any other, Oh, excuse me. Sorry. And then, um, I will just say that uh, I, I went into the room and I, they were twitching it or streaming it or something and really nice folks that were sitting at the table there by the, by Corey running the carnival, uh, which I'd never actually played in the later parts of it. So that was super fun to sit in, but I, w I went in and I poked my head in and I was talking to those guys for a few seconds and I gave them some money cause you know, obviously. And then, and then as I was talking to him, the woman looks at her laptop and she says, Oh, and somebody says that he'll give twenty dollars to watch Julian die. So was like twenty pounds? Twenty? Uh, you, yeah, or maybe 10, it was yes. ten pounds, which is I now only like, yeah, which is now only nine dollars, thanks to Boris Johnson. But anyway, <laughs> and Nigel Farage. But anyway, um, did okay. Was should I not get political? I forget. Um. So anyway, <laughs> uh. So I said, so oh, I sat down pond pitched in to get you killed. Yes. And I did get uh, killed. It was, it was fun. So thank you to judge Bruce Cunnington for bidding <laughs> on my demise. And yes. uh, definitely somehow I spent luck to avoid getting killed, getting shot out of the cannon, but I actually had to go to my other game. So then I'm like, Oh, I got to get killed. So then I was trying to figure out how I should get my zero level guys killed, uh, which is a strange problem to have, but anyway, it was, uh, it, it, that's pretty, obviously that's pretty a classic adventure. Uh, and we had a great time. I will say it was kind of cool to see the signs that Corey had made up because it was the cover of carnival of the damned. So you've got these signs set up along certain points of the convention center. So everywhere I turn, I'm like, Hey, that's David Beatty's module. <laughs> he, yeah. He was, it was super um, well put together, very well uh, thought out and prizes and like all kinds of minis and props. And it was super cool. So um, I hope, uh, you know, Corey uh, runs that, runs that again or something in that mode again, or, runs uh, you know other dct things in that mode again because it was really neat to see all the work he put into that 
And from the booth perspective, it also drove a lot of people that hadn't heard of DCC before over to the Goodman booth and started up a lot of good conversations. Um, In fact, there was one lady, I'm going to forget her last name, but her first name was Jennifer. And she's probably going to be one of the next third party authors because she wants to now convert everything that she's written into DCC roles after realizing how welcoming everyone in the community is. Never trust a Jen. (laughs) Well, your wife may disagree. (laughs) She's, she goes by Jenny. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But thanks to Corey for helping to open the community's doors even a little bit wider. And I'm glad he got a, a good result for the charity first friend. So I think that's probably going to wrap us up unless you have any more uh, illustrative text messages, Julian. Um. <laughs> uh, well, let me check. Okay. Hold on. Yeah, no. Checking. <laughs> oh, I do have one. Flip phones are no. slow by the way. Yeah. Okay, Boomer. In the meantime, if you have any other scathing reviews or nudges about eg- egregious omissions, it is late tonight, uh, <laughs> email us, as always, at theband at spellburn.com. And we only have one email in reserve right now. And who's it from? Oh, look, it's from John. <laughs> DM, DM Kojo. John, yeah, John's coming for you, DM Kojo. Wow. <laughs> Gauntlet thrown. Anything good, Julian? I think it's okay, Gronyard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, it is. And some of us pronounce it Grognard. Yeah, I would too. Okay, Grognard. Come on. Come on. It comes out of Napoleonics, guys. French. Yeah, yeah French. Do you, do you call it Paris? No, you call it Paris. Nah, you call Germany I mean. Deutschland? Uh, <laughs> no, I call it I call it Alemania. <laughs> when in Petty, Grognard. Exactly. So yes. <laughs> On oh that goodness, note, you guys are horrible. Wait, I mean to get some more text going here. Julian sulking. <laughs> no, I'm not, no. I so, won that round. Let's put a poll. So, Let's put a poll out there. You, you can email us at thebanditspellburn.com. Clearly, you can leave comments on our website. Leave us iTunes reviews. Help us get seen by other people. More listeners are always good because it means a, a growing community. Uh, if you're interested in throwing us a bumper of your own creation, we're still crowdsourcing those. And... Find us on whatever social media outlet you can, man. Good luck. (laughs) Thank you. Participatory points to Gary. Yes. Gold star. Alcohol helps. Uh, For some of us, perhaps. Uh, Well, I don't know. Uh, Caffeination also. Yeah, whatever your poison may be. Any last words, Jeff? Uh, Bye. (laughs) It was nice knowing you all. Yeah, before you uh, go back into the school and work. Before the, the, the heat right. death of the universe. Uh, yes. Boo. Timely that. Boo. All right, guys. Game on. Fill up our inbox next. You've been listening to Spellburn. Copyright 2017.
theme song has been graciously provided by Glitter Wizard. Learn more at glitterwizard.fancamp.com.